just so many business podcasts out there. How can I possibly know where to begin? Here at Intrepid Business, we are about stripping away all of the usual boring fluff and instead focus on showcasing real people doing real business, achieving amazing things. The ones truly changing the world, the instigators making a dent, the people changing how we do sales and marketing, leading innovation, the people redefining leadership. But who are these people? Why do they do what they do? How do they do what they do? Find out on Intrepid Business. And now, here are your hosts. Good afternoon and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Gosh, I consider myself a moderately successful business person. And when I review all the things that I do with regards to my business, I feel like I have some strengths in some places and some weaknesses in others. And I've always long feared that I have been weak on the strategy side of my business. And well, today I think we're going to get some quote free consulting from our guest who's put our new great book on strategy. So it's going to be good education for all of us on looking forward to the conversation. Let's say hello to my guest. His name is Dr. Chuck Bamford. He's the author of a new book called The Strategy Mindset. He's also the managing partner with Bamford Associates. Chuck, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Todd. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. Thanks for stopping by and joining me. Uh, It's giving me a very important conversation. Surprisingly, Chuck, I have a lot of business conversations on this show, but don't talk enough about strategy, the nuts and bolts of it, and how a new way to think about it. So this is going to be a a very welcomed conversation, not only by me, but my audience. So I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for making time. So before we get into a conversation around that new book called The Strategy Mindset, take a few quick seconds, inform the audience a bit about you and your background. Sure. That sounds great. I started off life as a mainframe punch card COBOL programmer and then worked my way into mergers and acquisitions. And I did that for about 12 years. Got went back to get a PhD and I was in academia for the next 20 years. I've been professor at a number of universities, uh, Tulane University, University of Richmond, TCU. And I'm currently an adjunct professor at the University of Notre Dame, where I teach strategy. I also run a consulting firm because I've been working for the last now 21 years with companies in really helping them design and implement strategy and trying to get away from the pop culture idea of what strategy is and get down to what real competitive advantages are. What do you mean the pop culture of strategy? What do you mean by that? Well, I think there's an awful lot. People don't understand strategy. They think it's some kind of witchcraft. And so people who claim to have great strategies have usually done something horrible like SWAT or... (laughs) They, yeah, well, we can talk about that at some point. Or they do, they think strategy is really just a series of tactics. Well, what we'll do is increase sales by 15%, and then they send the forces forward, and we got a little Jean Luc Picard thing going, and they tell them to get it, make it so. And its strategy is really, really about figuring out what your true competitive advantages are, like the things that really separate you in the mind of the customer relative to your competitors. And it's not all the kind of generic things that people think it is like customer service or they think it's our people. It really gets underneath that to the things that are true separators when the customer's making a decision. Gosh, a million directions I could go just from your opening statement there. I think one of the big problems, Chuck, and frankly, I'm looking at myself in the mirror here, is that I want to be darn sure that I understand what the definition of strategy is. I think a lot of people don't really know what the definition is. I imagine if you ask 10 strategists, you're probably going to get 10 different answers. But but what is the (laughs) Chuck Bamford definition of strategy? (laughs) The strategy to me is the, the underlying things, the underlying resources and capabilities of the business that truly 
separate you. That is the ones where a customer is willing to either pay you more than your competitors or will come to you and go right past your competitors. They'll bypass your competitors driving down the road. They'll bypass your competitors on the internet and they'll come to you regardless of what you're charging or what you're doing. It's the things that drive the customer to come to you. Got it. So I think the other problem that I see and witness an awful lot in my observation of business is people get confused by strategy and tactics. So what's the difference there? Absolutely. I mean, tactics is how we put it into place. And, and tactics are extraordinarily important. I mean, once we figure these things out, you've got to turn it into things that are practical, that, a, that an employee can actually do in order to help drive us to um, succeeding in our strategy. But the strategy are those underlying things. So, for instance, if you think about a company, you think about the brand, you think about the products that they offer, it's a relatively generic thing. What we want to do is climb underneath that and figure out what really props that company up, what really makes it unique. And you can think of brands, just think of brands for a minute that have, that are, have really faded over time. So, if we go back to the 80s, right? There was this extraordinarily cool niche technology company that everybody had to have something from, which was Sony, right? You had to have your Sony Walkman and there was the Sony Trinitron. And every time Sony released something, it was just cool as could be. And then there was this schlocky joke of a computer firm where the kids used in school called Apple. Oh, yeah. And today, Sony and Apple both exist, but Sony is not thought of in any way, shape or form as being cool or unique or cutting edge. Obviously, Apple is. So it's not the brand, and it's not even the products that they're producing. So it's got to be something underneath that that really separates that company. And what we want to do is figure out what those two or three things are. And from the biggest companies I've ever worked with, that's all they've got is two or three. Figure out what those things are, and then really get everybody in the company focused on that, You know, getting everybody in moving in relatively the same direction on whatever those few things are, and that's those will really help separate the company. I got it. Then, Chuck, this, let me promise you, I am not forgetting the book, but I, I think it's really important to have a, a foundational conversation here about what strategy is so that the audience goes into the conversation around the book and understands why it's so powerful. For one, so one last question before we do that. You've talked about strategy in the context of a business or an organization. Help the audience further understand the Chuck Bamford approach to strategy by applying it to, say, like a sports team. When they're going into a big game, how they think about strategy in that context of winning that game or, and or a military situation where I'm about to go into battle. How, using the Bamford model of what strategy is, how does a military general apply strategy to what he has to do? Oh, actually, and good thing, all this is in the book, so this is all good stuff anyway, ah, from my perspective. So either way works really well. I actually do work with the U.S. Army Command when we talk about and we do these sessions on sort of strategy design. But I'll try to do it fast and furious. You start by figuring out whom it is you are being compared to, whom it is you are competing with in the market. You have to have a deep understanding of who these folks are. From my perspective, strategy starts external to the organization. So you've got to understand what they have as competitive advantages, how they're winning in the market, what's going on. Then you turn inside the organization. And we really split it up between what, what I call what is orthodox versus what's unorthodox. But it's really, what are the table stakes in an industry? 
versus what really can separate us. So let's take your sports team analogy, right? If we've got, we've got coming up on the NFL seasons coming up here, right? Every one of the teams have got coaches and every one of the teams have got players and they all play the, the same kind of positions and they all have uniforms and we can they have stadiums and we can go down the line and all of those things I would refer to as those are orthodox elements of the business. Those are the table stakes. Everyone's got to have them or you can't be a player in the industry. You can't even show up. So what we've got to do is figure out what separates them. Well, there are extraordinary players who have played on teams that never win championships. So it's not about just getting the players. It's got to be something more. There are extraordinary coaches who have failed to win championships. So it's got to be more than that. It's got to be something else. And so what we want to do is dig into that particular organization. And quite honestly, every single team would have something or some things that are relatively different. And every single business has the exact same thing. And so you've got to dig into that with the expertise of the people in the business. I'm a firm believer that the content knowledge exists inside the organization. And then, and real quick, not to skip it, but once you think you've figured out what those things are, you've got to run it through some kind of an analysis. You can't just, otherwise it's just no better than SWOT. So the, the analysis that is the most popular in the Fortune 500 and certainly in the academic literature is some version of resource-based advantage. Some people call it VRIN, some call it VRIST, depending on which consulting firm. I'm a professor at heart, so I use resource-based analysis. And it says for something to be a competitive advantage, it's got to be rare. I'm not, not trying to torture you here, but rare, durable, non-substitutable, non-tradable, and valuable. And if you can get the cool thing that you think you have through all that, through each one of those elements, then what you've got is a true competitive advantage. And if it fails along the way, what that is not a competitive advantage. It's not that it's not a cool thing, but it's not something we're going to hang our strategy hat on. I got it. I think I finally, after 46 years, maybe understand what the strategy thing is all about. <laughs> Chuck, I can't believe we're already 10 minutes into the conversation and we haven't gotten into the book yet. Before we go to break, I want to wrap up this first segment with a quick question. It's a common question I ask on this show. I interview a lot of authors, probably no surprise to you, who have put out the latest book on leadership or on sales or on marketing or on this and that. And I always jokingly ask this question, but it, it always affords interesting opportunity for my guests to, to answer but if you go to Amazon right now and search for strategy books, there's probably thousands, maybe tens of thousands of books on strategy. Why did the world need this new book from Chuck Bamford? <laughs> exact, exact question I asked myself when the publisher <laughs> approached me. So I've written some of those big books. So I've written the probably one of the leading um, strategy textbooks in the market. Most of the strategy books that are out there fall into a, just a couple of genres. One is they're big textbooks. They're not meant to be read. They're meant to be used in classes. They're difficult, they're complex, but they're mostly correct. It's just hard for business people to use it. The second set of books we get is from the so-called successful CEO. They come along, they had success at one company, they think they have this great solution, they produce a book. Unfortunately, it's a wonder. Then we've got the people who have endowed themselves with the term strategy guru, always something that scares the oh, heck out of me. Geez. And they've got the latest and greatest, the eight ways to such and such you know, the jungle method of, and you can just, they create, and what they're trying to really do is create a consulting business, create a speaking business. The problem is that no one has distilled all the strategy research and all of the stuff that we do in courses and in programs into a short, quick, 
easy-to-read book that you can just use as a reference. So this book's only 125 pages long. The goal is for it for it to be used by executives, for them to just pull it out, go through it, and then use it as a template to get through and actually do the strategy. So it's very common sense and really geared towards executives. And that's the goal. Ah, I dig it. All right. Dr. Chuck Bamford will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This program is brought to you by Miles Finch Innovation, LLC, a creative consultancy that is passionate about ideas, imagination, and facilitating a culture of innovation. Miles Finch Innovation helps companies navigate the messy territory of corporate innovation. They're strategic thinking partners who can help you get unstuck and identify creative solutions to your toughest challenges. They also love to train and speak on the subject of creative leadership. Learn more about how they can help you at milesfinchinnovation.com. Miles Finch Innovation. Idea-centric. Strategically driven. Humanly conscious. All right, I'm back with Dr. Chuck Bamford, managing partner with Bamford Associates and the author of a new book, The Strategy Mindset. So let's keep on with this book, Chuck. So this, the title itself to me is really critical because as I'm maturing and as I'm aging in my business career, I'm beginning to realize how important mindset is. Yeah, I can learn a lot of set of skills. I can learn tactics, uh, but I've come to understand that mindset is everything and how I conduct and approach my business. So help me understand how to think about strategy from a mindset. I completely agree with you. From my perspective, I'm really trying to get everybody aligned in the organization. So if we can get everybody kind of understanding what strategy is versus tactics, if we can get everybody to understand what the table stakes level stuff is versus stuff that really separates us, we've got a chance to really do something remarkable. So what do companies do now? They mostly invest and invest in what I would refer to as table stakes. You're not going to get anything extra for it, but you keep pouring money and resources in it. What I want to do is if we get everyone focused on what those two or three things are, and get them all aligned and moving in relatively the same direction, what we see is it's absolutely remarkable. So when this has been done at companies, and I mean Fortune 10 companies, Fortune 100, I guess, companies that I've worked with, all the way to VC-backed businesses, what we see is once this happens, over a period of time, it's, it's not one decision or two or 10 or 1,000. It's tens of millions of decisions that people make every single year, every single day, translates in every year. And the company crosses a tipping point. My apologies to Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> they cross a tipping point, and then it's like they're running downhill, but with money. And it's the most amazing thing to see and be a part of. So from my perspective, mindset means we can all understand where we're focusing. We all know what we got to do, and we can get aligned in the organization. Well, it's just amazing how many organizations aren't aligned in that way. Yeah. So that's uh, another reason why I'm sure you had to put out this book. Uh, you've talked about the science of strategy. Talk about that. I mean, is that something that can be taught or is this, this in your bones? Yeah. So I firmly believe that strategy is about, oh, 65% art and probably 35% science. <laughs> so the fact is we do know some things that make a tremendous difference. And this you can be taught, and this people can learn. And what they do is they get past a whole lot of brick walls by doing this. But at the end of the day, it's the art. 
that really is the art of the implementation, the art of the pieces that you have in there. And quite honestly, people are either good at art or they're not good at art. And so I don't know how to teach art. We practice it. We talk about examples. But at the end of the day, they're either good at it or not good at it. So what I'm really trying to do is, in, a, in as fast a fashion as possible, get them to that 35% level. And quite honestly, like you just said, Todd, they'll be so far ahead of their competitors that even if they suck at the art, they're going to be in much better shape. Well, I, th- I think part of the problem, Chuck, is that a lot of people, and shoot, I have to be careful saying this because I may be putting myself in this category, that think they're on top of the strategy game behind the organization, but really aren't? I mean, how do you know? Yeah, well, you know what? What I tell organizations that, that we work with is, are you ready to take a chance at looking at your strategy in a different light and maybe coming up with something that's totally different than what you're currently doing? If you're not, if you're satisfied with what you're doing, if you just love SWAT, no matter how stupid it is, <laughs> then go ahead and do it. Have at it. If you like the eight ways to success or the different colors or whatever it is, then do it. But if you want, let's take a look and see what it is. And what I find for the most part is that companies have an idea about what their advantages are, but not all of them. And so this helps kind of dice it out, clean it up, and find it in a relatively fast fashion. You know, all right, I have to go here on this. We got to talk about SWAT. And the reason, and the reason I... <laughs> The reason I'm laughing whenever you mention it is is that I went through a SWOT analysis with uh, an organization of mine just a year ago, and I'm laughing because, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not going to go into details on air here, but the results of the SWOT analysis enabled me to make some very critical decisions with regard to the business. Now, as I'm saying that to you on the air here, I'm not realizing, well, that's not really using utilizing SWOT as an approach to formulating strategy. So I think I'm answering my own question here, but let me ask this question. There are an awful lot of people. There are people who have built consultancies off of doing SWOT analysis. Why is that such a bad approach? Yeah. So SWOT by itself is fantastic. So it came out, you know, it's a creation of Michael Porter from the 1970s. We all learned it. It's taught everywhere because it's simple and easy. So, but it's not an analysis technique. It's a block technique. So let's do this real fast. Do we want to know what the strengths of the organization are? The answer is absolutely yes. Putting a bunch of people in the room and having them put post-its up on the wall because they think it's a strength doesn't accomplish it. What we need is a real technique to figure out what those strengths are. And weaknesses, do we want to know what the weaknesses are? Sure, but just putting it up on a wall doesn't make it a weakness. What I find, for instance, is that companies have come up with 15 or 20 things that are weaknesses, but by the time you look at the competitors, and remember, if it's orthodox kind of weakness, all we want to do is be median. We just need to, we do it well, but we don't have to do it any better than the average in the industry if it's, an, if it's a table stakes kind of thing. So only those things go in weaknesses. Opportunities are only an opportunity if we really have a strength, and that's only if we have a real resource-based advantage. And I can get onto threats. That's a, sort of a different topic. What's the classic line? One of the classic lines, if you ask somebody, well, what's the strength of your organization? They'll come back and they'll say, well, Chuck, it's our people. And 25 years ago, I used to laugh at that. Now I find that people don't have a lot of humor about that. (laughs) So I don't laugh anymore. But I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? I said, so it's your people. They're like, absolutely, it's our people. I said, so if I go across the street to your competitor and I say, so what's your your number one strength? They'd go, well, you know, Chuck, I really like to tell you it's our people. But unfortunately, all the good people are over at the other company. And so all we got left over here is schlock. We're just trying to do the best we can with it. No, they think it's their people too. Everyone, 
everyone has got the same number of really great people, average people, not so good people in the organization. And the moment we think that our people are our competitive advantage is the moment our competitors can start beating us. So what I want to do is instead of just gut reaction, it's customer service, it's people, it's quality, I want to get down underneath it and figure out what the real strengths are. And then if they want to block it into SWOT, that's fantastic. But let's use some real techniques to put it into each one of those blocks. Well, I'm proud to say that uh, we didn't use the post-it note strategy when we uh, did our slide. But, <laughs> but we did whiteboard it. All right. So moving on. So is it fair to say, Chuck, that most businesses are just terrible at this? Yeah, I think, unfortunately, that is the case. So that's when you first think about that, you say, oh, how depressing. But then you say, whoa, wait a minute. What, there is some amazing, cool opportunity here. If, if most of us suck at this, and I'm now putting myself in that camp, how amazing is it going to be when we get our heads around it and, and figure out how to do it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like I'm the only person who understands this or does this. This is well understood and well known by a number of folks, a number of consulting companies, but putting it together and getting companies to actually do it and getting it out of the 500-page textbook or reading 300 research articles and going, oh, okay, I can do this. Let's get it down to a process. And so that's what I've really hoped that, that I've accomplished in the book is just let's get it to a process so people can go, okay, next step, let's do this. Then let's do this. Still 35% science, 65% art, but it is absolutely remarkable when you watch companies do this. Not only ones I've worked with, but work friends that I know who do this kind of stuff with folks. The company's success rates are is just extraordinary. Yeah. My head's exploding here as I'm thinking through all this for our conversation. And I feel like the process of defining your strategy, almost you almost make it sound simple in that conceptually, I guess, and when you boil it down to a process, you certainly are simplifying that process. Uh, but this is still hard work. But talk about how many organizations aren't doing it very well, or, or frankly, sadly, aren't doing it. Also comes to mind the idea of, of the mission and the purpose of an organization. And I feel like based on my limited exposure to a lot of organizations, they, they, they launch a business without a mission. How do you do that? And I think most organizations probably do. We did a study a few years back and found that only a half of the Fortune 500 um, have a defined mission statement. And quite honestly, most of those were terrible. So you get people who don't understand why you have a mission and why you have a mission statement. People are afraid that it'll box them in, or they're afraid that it'll make somebody mad, or they're afraid that a customer might walk away because they're not exactly what they are. The reality is you've, you've got to have a purpose. There has to be a reason that customers come to you. So let's get it defined so that everybody in the organization could read the mission statement and go, oh, yeah, that's exactly what we are. Yeah, that's exactly what we want to be and start, let them use their brain power to figure out how to do it. So the beauty of a really well-crafted mission, and by the way, Todd, I think these things should be short, under 25 words, very succinct, tied to their resource-based advantages. And what I want to do when I hire people is I want their brains. I want their entire brain. And so what I want to do is say, this is what we're trying to accomplish. How would you do it? And a mission statement, a really well-crafted mission statement, just helps drive success. And you, you watch it over and over again in the companies that we identify where everybody goes, oh, my gosh, yeah, that, that, that is absolutely a remarkable company. We'll go look at what their mission statements are, and, and almost always they're short, simple, very specific, very actionable, 
and employees are empowered to do something about it. What do you say to the organization that comes to you and says, our mission is to turn a profit? There's nothing quite as compelling as that. So now I go to my employees and I say, by God, your job is to turn a profit. And the kid on the fryer, you know, who's making French fries all day goes, okay, you know, and still has no idea what it is they're supposed to do. I mean, of course, we want to turn a profit. No customer buys from a company because that company needs to make a profit, right? We don't buy a car going, boy, well, I hope that helps Toyota. Now they'll be able to make a profit. Or right, or buy a buy a meal somewhere and go, man. I, I hope that really carries that company now. We we none of us care about whether they make a profit or not. Quite honestly, most of us don't care who takes care of us as long as they take care of us well and they take care of us within the parameters that we expect. It can even be bad. You look at something like Dick's Last Resort, or quite honestly, the entire airline industry, mm. and we can get treated badly. But at least it's consistently bad. And we know what to expect, but I don't go buy an airplane ticket hoping that American Airlines will make a profit. Yeah, geez. Even I chuckle when I hear an organization, and they're not wrong. I mean, that's obviously the goal, but well, that's a subject for a whole other conversation. Chuck, I hate to say it, <laughs> we are out of time for this chat. I have a feeling you and I will cross paths again and uh, continue this dialogue long term. There's an awful lot to talk about that we barely scratched the surface on today. Before I let you go, how can people contact you should they have questions? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of The Strategy Mindset? Thanks so much, Todd. I really, I really appreciate it. I always enjoy talking about this kind of stuff. Uh, Strategy Mindset's available in print and on ebook pretty much everywhere. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the good places. Anyone wants to reach out and touch me, easiest way is probably through the website, which is BamfordAssociates.com. And it's obviously B as in boy, B-A-M-F-O-R-D, BamfordAssociates.com. We'd love to talk to them. Dr. Chuck Bamford, managing partner with Bamford Associates and the author of a new book, The Strategy Mindset. Chuck, a real pleasure to have you. Thanks for stopping by and joining me. Todd, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, It was my pleasure. All right, well, that wraps this conversation. Again, on behalf of my guest, Dr. Chuck Bamford, I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. Intrepid Business.